If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. And they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. What is up, everyone? My name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Podcast Network. It is Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. It is time to talk Major League Baseball with my co-host as we enter the winner's circle. Miss Brianna Winner, how are you today? After that disappointing loss, hopefully it gets better. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to temper myself because... Um, Last week, when we did these shows, um, as an angel, as an angel fan yourself and Padre fan, for me, or an angel fan yourself and a Padre fan myself, um, we were both kind of in the same boat. Um, and this this week, um, I'm, I'm you know keeping keeping the enthusiasm down as the Padres have had a very good week, and the Angels, unfortunately, just wrapped up uh, another goodness gracious um, international tiebreak loss. Have you guys won? I'm sorry, I, I I don't mean to put this on the but have you guys won so. an international tiebreak game yet? Like, I don't I don't believe they have. Yikes. Um but it's three or four. Triana's a champ and she is here. No matter what, she is here to bring her A game. And um, you know, being fans, uh at least I, I'm a Padre fan, it hasn't been all daisies lately for the Angels. So I could say we're pretty used to it. Um, but as as usual, um doing this major league baseball podcast. Uh, the Southern California Baseball Podcast will come a little bit later. Um, but in this one, where we cover all of Major League Baseball. First, we're going to cover what we've seen on the field this week. And I will start it because um, selfishly uh, putting the agenda together, I had to throw this in there with um, really A, Grand Slam history, and B, the unwritten rules. Because they, while two different stories obviously are intertwined at the moment, and I'm going to start with the Grand Slam history because this is just a moment for me to, you know, pump up um, the Padres, who of all the teams in the world in Major League Baseball, the history of Major League Baseball, of all of them to set a record like this, um, it's pretty unlikely. You would kind of expect a Yankees or a Red Sox or, you know, even, even one of those teams from the past that was just a dominant offensive team. Uh, to have done something like this, four grand slams in four games, and then just to kind of double up on that, five in six games as Jake Cronenworth hit a grand slam um, on uh, Saturday night. And I think the best part about those five grand slams and four in four days, it's four different players. And obviously, not only do you have to you know, hit the home, hit the home run at that moment, but you got to load the bases as well. So Padres having a, a great week, and it all started with that Grand Slam history. And now we transition to how it all got started. Monday night, Padres up seven runs in the eighth inning, I believe, seventh or eighth inning. Um, and Fernando Tatis Jr. hits a 3-0 fastball the opposite way um, for a Grand Slam. And the Rangers did not like it uh, because apparently it's an un- unwritten rule. I didn't quite, I don't 
remember ever hearing about this. Not that I was ever a major league baseball player or read the unwritten rules, but this was never an unwritten rule that I was familiar with. Um, I guess I somewhat understand it, but for me, it's, I look at the Padres bullpen and a seven run lead is not safe at any point ever. Um, just ask the Philadelphia Phillies who were up seven to two, I believe in the sixth inning of a seven inning game, I believe, and uh, lost that game. So um, very, very interesting there. But Brianna, what what are your thoughts on A, the 3-0 swinging in a blowout and B, unwritten rules in general? Well, going off of 3-0 in general, if you don't want them to hit it, do not put a fastball down the middle. Like, do you guys not remember Trout hitting a, like a home run off of a 3-0 pitch down the middle? Just don't do it. And we're going to the unwritten rule. Let the kid have it. Like, this is like his first, that was his like, what, first Grand Slam? It was. Yeah, let him have it. Let him enjoy it. Don't make him apologize for something that was your fault. Um, yeah, obviously you guys are get like, they're getting blown out, but it's just, it's part of the game. Well, and I'm glad what you said about the, you know, kind of with the trout thing. Like, I don't think now, and obviously with the trout, it wasn't a blowout or whatever, but I mean, what's a blowout? What in that situation? And then also, I don't think it's fair for this pitcher to hide behind an unwritten rule and just groove a 3-0 fastball. Because now if I'm a hitter, if that's the case, in a blowout, does that mean on 0-2, you have to, the catcher has to stand up and catch the ball four feet outside? Because that's what it seems like to me to even it up. Um, so I, I, I love the fact that, I mean, well, I love the fact that everyone came to his defense, Tatis's defense, um, except for the Rangers. What I don't love is Chase Tingler not coming to the defense and doing the exact opposite. Um, and I really did think it was going to ruin a lot of things. The Padres have since gone out and won seven in a row um, or six in a row, if you want to get technical, after that first win. Um, it hasn't affected the team. I really did think it was going to. Um, I'm glad it hasn't. But for you, you played – um, and you know some of these unwritten rules. Are there some unwritten rules that, you know, you, you should adhere to? I mean, obviously, I didn't really play with many because it was Little League in high school. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been blown out multiple times. Even, like, my final home game, uh, we were getting blown out. But I was also so sick that I couldn't even hit. And all I did was go behind the plate in, what, like, nine, like 80, 90-degree weather in catcher's gear? Um like, it's just a part of the game. Obviously, we would have wished that we had won, but we were also playing our rivals. I mean, if it's against your rival, it could be a different story. But it's just, everything is a part of the game. You just have to let it go. Like, no matter what happens, you guys are playing. This is obviously, yeah, it's your career, but it's also fun. Like, you guys would have, you guys had fun growing up. Why can't it be like that now? Obviously, Tatis only 21 years old let hit let the kid have it like i agree i don't think there's really any unwritten rules because like obviously in, if we weren't getting blown out obviously if you're not a great hitter you do not have to go fight to swing on a three note pitch you let it go but that's also just to make them work for it obviously with tatis yeah you made the pitcher kind of work for it with those three straight balls but it's like if you get one you go especially if you have the green light, which I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, it's funny. He, he, he said after, he said, oh, I missed the sign. Well, unless the sign was at home plate, or he didn't look down at third base. Um, and I, 
I don't, I don't know. I, I can't imagine they give him the take there. And, and for that situation, I mean, like you said, let the kid play. There is the, I, I do believe there are, um, you know, maybe a, a couple unwritten rules. Um, I know the, the Ben Davis thing going back to, I think the early 2000s, breaking up a perfect game with a bunt. There were a lot of people who thought that was an unwritten rule, but they didn't understand it was a one run game or it's a close game, one or two run game. Um, so, hey, you know, try to get that W first. Now, if it was 11 nothing in a perfect game, do you have that conversation? Maybe. But look, if it's a perfect game, you, hey, a bunt, whatever. That perfect game's a perfect game. Um, I do, and it's, it's rather ironic because there is one unwritten rule that I do think you can adhere to. Um, and, and it's one that Tatis Jr. actually somewhat went against uh, the day after the fact. Um, but it's stealing a base in a blowout. Um, now, you get, a, you get a base knock, um, and you're up 10 nothing in the eighth inning. Do you really need to get yourself in a scoring position? I mean, am I going to jump down your throat for doing it? No, but is it necessary? Now, giving away an at-bat, everybody's paid to hit the ball um, or be productive with bat in hand. Not everyone's paid to, uh, you know, get that extra base now of course there are players that are are expected to do that but that's that's one but even then i don't think it's a situation um that is a end of the world situation because don't get blown out if you don't want these things to happen don't get blown out period and you know what it's a fact of life everyone it's going to happen and i hate to say it but at some point throughout the rest of this year the padres are going to get blown out in a game and you know what someone might swing 3-0 and if he hits it out for a grand slam he hits it out for a grand slam. We move on, you know, and yeah. uh, that's all there is to it. And going off of the perfect game one, have you seen the uh, movie The Perfect Game with the like, Little League team from Mexico winning their first one? No. Um, basically, basically um, they're telling the kids, do not tell your pitcher that he's throwing a perfect game. Do not mess with his head. I think that is one unwritten rule that go for it. Like, don't say a word. Let him just stay in the mode. Just don't tell him a thing. Obviously, if he sees it on the scoreboard, he sees it on the scoreboard. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely, I don't even, that's definitely one that it's like, no, you don't, I don't even think you talk to the pitcher, unless you're a catcher or a pitching coach, I don't think you talk to a pitcher unless he's out of the game, honestly, unless he wants to. Um, But that's how it always was when I played. Um, But yeah, definitely. You don't even, you don't even say the word perfect. You don't even say no hit or anything like that, um, which is kind of, it's, it's one of the weirdest things ever, but it seems like every time it happens, uh, every time you say something about it, I know I have no control over what a Padre does, but every time I tell someone, hey, he's throwing a no hitter, boom, before I send, or before it even goes through, there, there it is, a base hit, but. Moving on, oh, uh, not done just yet with what we've seen on the field. Um, and we almost saw these on the field, I should say. And it was the cleats that Trevor Bauer have now made famous, the free Joe Kelly um, that he offered as well. What a guy. He offered to send them to Carlos Correa free shipping. I mean, what a guy. Um, and I, I don't think Carlos Correa enjoyed that, but. Trevor Bauer continues to be the troll of the century to Major League Baseball. Um, he puts out a video. Here are my cleats. These are what I'm going to wear. And immediately, or not immediately, but before the game begins, uh, it's, it's announced that Major League Baseball has told him, you are not wearing those or, we, or you will not play, which is apparently 
against what they said in the beginning of the year, but it is Trevor Bauer. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on Trevor Bauer continuing to really be a one-man show against the MLB? Honestly, I love it. <laughs> right? It's funny to see it, but I do also have those tweets from um, what he had, from after the game explaining what happened. Perfect. Um, so obviously he's like, for everyone wondering why I didn't wear the cleats tonight, MLB threatened to eject me and suspend me and levy unprecedented fines against me if I did. I couldn't put my teammates at risk like that. Earlier this year, MLB said players could put whatever they wanted on their cleats, so long as it wasn't political or offensive. Apparently, Rob is not a fan of players following the rules as free Joe Kelly is not political and is very clearly said in jest. Just leaves me over here wondering how following the rules equals ejection, suspension, fine, and cheating your way to a World Series equals no ejection, suspension, or fine. Y'all really know how to pick your battles. Learn my lesson, though. Fun is bad. Cheating is good. Won't make the same mistake twice. Can promise you that. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I love it. I, if you haven't, I don't always agree with Trevor Bauer. Um, he went to UCLA, so that's already a knock immediately. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, I will say, though, uh, the, the staff, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer on the same staff, Get out of here. How did they not win a national championship? But anyways, um, with Trevor Bauer, he is pretty much taken on this fight against the MLB. There are obviously a heavy or a high amount of players who were really frustrated at the Astros handling. And Trevor Bauer has kind of been the guy like, okay, I w I'm going to do this. And, and if you don't know... Um, if you don't follow Trevor Bauer, if you don't um, know anything about Momentum, which is his uh, baseball media company, which is actually very informative as well, more than just trolling as well. Um, and a big reason why he is probably the best pitcher in the game right now, um, at least statistically. And he's, he knows how to market. He knows that right there. Those, I mean, I'm, I am a huge fan of sarcasm and those tweets I mean, it's hard to convey sarcasm in written form. Um, you know, body language, there's a lot of time, you know, eye rollings and stuff like that, but you can't do those things over tweets. But Trevor Bauer is a, he is really good. And he is also one of those guys that you know, that's Trevor Bauer, you know, whether it's him actually maybe typing it out, but he's the one telling whoever it is. I'm sure it is actually him typing it out, but he is, he, he you know exactly what he's thinking. Um, I will say though, if anything negative happens, whether it's um, a fight or anything like that, expect Trevor Bauer to be suspended for the longest possible moment and no appeal necessary or won't win the appeal. Um, that is kind of the other side of this, but I love this because I think we're all in the same boat, right? Like we all love those cleats. Um, we all pretty much hate what the Astros did and the fact that nobody got in trouble for it. And Trevor Bauer is, for the first time really ever um, in athletics, kind of speaking for the fans. Like, this is bullshit. Uh, we don't normally see that. So I love it. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter if you don't already. And like I said, I don't agree with every single thing he says. Um, but he is a tremendous follow on Twitter and a lot of fun um, to just watch how he just pokes the bear that is MLB. Yeah. And 
I read this and I'm just I'm just laughing. Like that's just saying like is he gonna cheat now? Like exactly. if, if the Astros didn't get in trouble, <laughs> is he now going to cheat because he was gonna get in trouble for just speaking his mind and he wasn't gonna put his teammates at risk at least. But and obviously he I'm pretty sure he pitched that day. So he wasn't going to get himself ejected. But like seriously, following the rules, like the whole political thing, I don't see that as political. I don't see these cases political. I just see them as fun. And especially when you've got Joe Kelly's face on it and his pouting face. <laughs> I could see maybe if, if they were playing the Astros and I know that's not happening because it's the, intro. I could see maybe if MLB was like, hey, just calm it down. That's obviously not the case. The Royals with, you know, bless their hearts. They probably didn't even, you know, they got, I think one hit by him that day. Um, but it, it's, it's such a bummer, you know, that they put these things out and then of course change their rules. Um, and you're right, this isn't political. This isn't offensive to anybody other than maybe the Astros. <laughs> and you know what? Get over it. Um, but it's, I guess the way, the way we are now, and I, I, like you said, I love the start, like is, I would love to see, he won't do it because he'd probably get thrown out of the game, but Trevor Bauer go out with like a big thing of sandpaper like tape to his hat and like rub the ball, like just obvious cheat, um, obvious cheating situation. Um, he won't do that, but that would just be an amazing troll move. Maybe, maybe go out there on a day you're not even starting and just start the day, just uh, scrapping away. But um, anyways, moving on to um, more pitching, but this is last week we talked about the Phillies, bullpen or I'm sorry the Red Sox bullpen and how bad it's been and and also the pitching staff in general but mainly the bullpen and now there are new kings of that uh distinction and it is the Philadelphia Phillies who look uh the Phillies are my I guess second team if you want to call it that as a uh kind of some or a second placed uh Philly guy I follow you know NBC Sports Philadelphia and see the vitriol that is being spewed um, thank, the only reason that the Phillies really haven't like been burnt to the ground is because the Sixers are actually right in front of that firing line and they are actually getting all the hate right now. Speaking of the Sixers, Yikes. what happened in today's game? Um, I didn't, I know they lost. I, no, uh, Tobias Harris. Uh, no. Oh, oh, I saw he like walked out with an eye laceration or. Um, hard, it, hard fall. I think that obviously them getting sweeped is the news of the day in Philadelphia, but. Hey, the good thing is Tobias Harris is fine. Yeah, well, that's key, but I will say this. Um, I'll preface it by if you don't want to see the worst of human beings, don't go in comment sections on social media. But there are people on social media in Philadelphia that are probably mad that he's okay, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, that is Philadelphia for you, though. Uh, fan of the teams, not fan of the fans here. But um, the Phillies... In general, obviously, uh, last checked, I didn't see what actually, well, they're playing right now. So um, an 8.33 bullpen ERA, and we're not talking about a week, 10 games. We are now, well, I guess, I don't know, how deep are the Phillies in? More than 10 games, I know that, but not a full season um, in terms of what other teams have played, probably at least 20 games at this point. But an 8.33 bullpen ERA for a team that um, – 
continues to find new ways to lose late in the game. What do you think? And, and actually, before, as we'll kind of breathe in, we'll talk about the trade deadline later, but they already tried to bring in some bullpen help with Brandon Workman, and he got worked yesterday. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm not sure. I think they're already winning today, but like we said, the bullpen has a really good chance of messing that up. What are your thoughts on the Phillies just dumpster fire of a bullpen? Well, first, I, I kind of went on ESPN, and I'm seeing them play, and Harper just popped out to second with bases loaded. Um, they are currently winning 5-3. to three. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to last against the Braves. <laughs> um, obviously, we'll talk about the trade that they made later, but honestly, it did not even help a bit. Like, I don't know how you can get worse than the Red Sox, aside from maybe the Angels. But, <laughs> I mean, their bullpen's not bad. But no. it's not good. But the Phillies – and Red Sox definitely have really bad bullpens, but I'm like, I don't know how much worse you can get than a nine and twenty team um, and their bullpen. Obviously, the Phillies are nine and fourteen, but Red Sox are nine and twenty. How can you be doing worse than that <laughs> in your bullpen? Obviously, you didn't play as many games yet, but you will. Um, but I mean, the question now is, are they going to keep trying to trade for pitchers? Because at this point, they need it. Well, exactly. And, and like you said, we will get into – we will have some trade deadline talk here in a, in a bit. Um, but Philadelphia and, and, and Boston and, and the Angels and the Padres and, and pretty much every team that's contending right now, um, pretty much every team, period, really needs bullpen help. And there's a small amount. But for the Phillies, for them to kind of make the first move um, – Obviously, we are now eight days away from the trade deadline, and they made that move about four days, uh, two or three days ago. Um, but they were kind of the first one to get into the free agent or the uh, the reliever market, I should say. And it obviously, for now, I mean, it's one game. Um, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, I do think Brandon Workman is better than what he showed. I don't think he's a game changer. He's not going to save that bullpen. Uh, but this is definitely a problem and a situation where generally it doesn't really fix itself by just, at least this deep in the season, by just keep doing the same things. Like they're going to probably have to get, drop some guys uh, down to their alternate site and maybe bring up some some guys that maybe they're not as high on, but you just got to get some new arms in there just to try to show that maybe you're doing something. Like I said, I mean, it, it's a bit of an overreaction, you know, on Brandon Workman. It's been one game. Um, he's not, like I said, a world beater, but it, but overall this bullpen, an 833 or an 8.33 ERA, 23 games into your season is disgusting. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, four or six of those games uh, were double headers at only seven innings. So even then um, you're, you're, you're only talking about a couple innings of the bullpen there that even then they mess it up. But yeah, that, we didn't think it could get worse than the Red Sox, and it still might not be. I mean, it could be really bad. Uh, I think they're both going to be really bad the rest of the year. Um, it'd be interesting to see who gets that crown of the worst uh, overall. But um, unfortunately, or moving on to what we've seen off the field, unfortunately, we still talk about a team picking up a COVID outbreak. Um, this time it's the New York Mets. So we are back into the National League East after a couple weeks of 
the outbreak hanging out in the central area. Now it is the east. I guess if there's one positive, at least it didn't come out to the west. Um, I don't know if that's a self-serving comment or maybe it would have been best to come out west and maybe even things out for the games. But um, obviously it going back out east and the Mets series against the Yankees was canceled or uh, postponed. I, I'm not sure of the situation, but they didn't play this weekend. Um, and the Mets at this moment, I don't believe are expected to play probably for at least the next series. Um, here we are again. Is there, are we, do you think, let me, let me ask you this question. Do you think that we will do a podcast? And then when we talk about what we've seen off the field, that we won't talk about the, uh, a COVID outbreak? Probably not. Cause people are stupid. Yeah. I mean, from what I read, I think it was the Cardinals. Some of them went to like a bar and that's where they caught it. Like people are stupid. They don't think it's real. They're not following really following guidelines. I hope it does not come to the West because then it means it's still all over the country and every single team. Um, but obviously in the West, most of your teams come from California, which it makes it a lot harder. And obviously with California and their fires right now, that's not going to help. <laughs> Just another, but that's not a 2020 thing. That's crazy enough. I was talking to my buddy. It's like, oh, the wildfires. I was like, oh, you know, I mean, of all the things that have happened in 2020, we, we, at least we know how to deal with wildfires. I mean, and, and, and we know when fire season is. Exactly. Like we're at least ready and prepared or as best we can be. But anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm kind of glad it's still in the East just because then it's not traveling because obviously you only had like two teams in the Central, three, three or four teams in the East. So it, at least it hasn't come to the West. And that's good for our teams. Exactly. But I mean, People just follow the freaking guidelines. We all want to see you play the full season. You you yourselves don't want to play double headers. Yeah, they're less innings, but you don't want to be playing those double headers and be playing until like, what, 11 o'clock at night sometimes? Especially if you're going to have to go to extra innings in either of those games. Just, just don't. Just follow the freaking guidelines. Like, obviously, with the Reds, they only had one person, so they got back re relatively quickly. But knowing New York and how long they've lasted – with each team getting COVID, there's not going to be a week this season where we're not going to be talking about it. We only have a, like a month left before playoffs. So I really don't think that. Well, and, and, and okay, let's take this one step further. And I don't even know if we'd have an answer to this at this point, but what happens if we're talking about the NLCS and team X or team Y gets I mean, what happens then? Because I brought up the fact that the TVs, the, the, the TV deals are the, and the producers and everything or the content or the people who set the schedule have already said you have, you know, uh, July or um, October 31st. And then after that, it is 100% election coverage. So what happens then? Because um, I ain't playing the World Series on MLB TV. I'll tell you that right now. Um, that's maybe a question I don't want to even fathom at this point and definitely a question for another month of 2020. I don't need to put any more on our plate, but that's kind of a scary thought. And it just popped into my mind when you said the playoffs. I mean, I really hope it doesn't happen, but I think MLB is going to do the same thing that NBA and NHL are doing where they're going to have a bubble for just those specific teams and they're going to be playing in one place. Perfect. Um, like obviously there's too many teams to do that now, but when it goes down to like, what, like six, what is it, 16 teams or something? 
they will go into a bubble and maybe play in a place where there's at least two fields. So then they can have two games going at the same time. I could see, you know, I actually heard it brought up the other day. Um, I believe uh, where they have the College World Series has two fields. Um, I believe so. Um, but they, uh, they have talked about the bubble, and I, I think that's what you have to do. Obviously, I don't think it's feasible right now. Um, and you could even, you know, when you do get to the playoffs, maybe four little sub-regions, they play, and then they play kind of like the NCAA tournament. You know, you win your region, and then you move on to the maybe one big, which would be essentially the final four, whatever, you know what I mean, so, in terms of that. So you're saying, like, little regions within the NL and the A. Yeah. Like, I don't know. West I mean, it's – Central. Sorry? So, like, on the West and Central, you have, like, four teams in the AL, four teams in the NL, and then the same thing with the East because I think they have more teams. But – and then come back together from the NLCS? I, you know, I mean, the more I think about it, it probably, like I said, this all just kind of popped into my head and I haven't really, I'm just kind of thinking in terms of, because um, a big part of it, like you said, you can have two games going on at the same time because that's key. Like we saw with the NHL, there are times where, hey, they might play five overtimes and you might have to play in the morning the next day. Lightning. Um, <laughs> crazy, you know? So I, there needs to be, and the NBA kind of has that, I believe. They think they have two or three courts accessible, or at least two. I know they at least have two. I'm not um, sure, but uh, watching the Twitter for after that Lightning game. Was, oh, it's amazing. It, it was fun to see the Carolina Hurricanes in their tweets. Yeah, like, hey, uh, don't want to, don't want to, uh, you know. Anybody need coffee? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, I, I would love to see it. I would love to see an MLB team do that. I would that love would be a crazy. Especially if it's the Astros. Uh, yes. Uh, moving on to um, something, you know, maybe a little more serious uh, was, of course, Tom Brenneman um, getting caught with the vaunted hot mic. Um, look, this is a situation. Tom Brenneman said a word I'm not going to say. Um, you can easily find it wherever you need to. Um, but said something in a situation where he obviously didn't think um, he was live. He was. He has paid the price. Uh, he, I, I know he's been taken off the, NL, uh, the NFL coverage because he also did play-by-play -play for the NFL along with the Cincinnati Reds, um, but he has been suspended by the Reds. Obviously, I don't think that he is going to come back. Um, I don't know if this is a death sentence for him, but he's going to go away for a while. Um, we're in the, in the world we live in right now. Um, that is not okay. Um, especially in that situation. It's really not even okay for me to say that word on this podcast. Let's be honest, uh, let alone national TV. So he did the crime. He is going to do the time and probably, uh, who knows? Like I said, I don't think, look, Tom Brenneman made a mistake. Um, like I said, he's going to go sit in the corner for a couple years. He's a really good play-by-play -play guy. I think someone will give him a shot. Like I said, it'll be a couple years till we hear about him. Um, and I think the, the real, I think, interesting part of this, I guess, was him making his apology and Nick Castellanos hitting a home run and him – calling the home run. I mean, it's just the most like, oh, excruciating. I mean, it, it's all karma for me, for you. But I, it obviously, like you said, it, or like I said, it's 
you did the crime, now go sit in a corner for a couple years. And you know what, if it is a death sentence to him, in terms of his career, obviously I'm not being literal here, um, a death sentence in his career, then that's also probably justified as well. Um, thoughts on Tom Brenneman and uh, everything that's going on? Always expect that your mic is live. 100%. Like, not only was I an athlete, but I was also a theater kid. And um, one of the leads happened to have her mic live in a school performance and said some things she really shouldn't have. And I don't think she realized she was live. But always expect that your mic is live. Like, act like your mic is live. Act like you're on air, even if you know you're not. Because otherwise, you're going to have this situation, this horrible situation that was completely justified um, by him getting suspended. I do think he's going to get fired. I do not think the NFL is even going to take him back. Like, I don't even think the Reds are going to take him back. But you're in a world where everything is like cancel culture. You're in a world where everybody is accepting others, no matter what gender, no matter like whether they're like gay or not, whether whatever, just don't say it. <laughs> I like, I was in a situation where it was like, I wasn't at school the day it happened, but my English class decided to do something about it. And we were reading poems and singing songs about like, like acceptance. Cause there were things that happened with like a drink, with a bike, with teachers getting called names on their name tag, on their name things next to the door. So just don't. <laughs> well, and, and uh, another thing about it too is the hot mic, yes, was on. My question is like, that's mic on or not. Like that is not, there is somebody in that room who heard that that was offended by that period. I know for a fact there would have, if there was more than one or two other people who would have been able to hear that within earshot, whether the mic is live for all of us or not. That would have offended somebody, which is already enough to make it a hostile work environment, which already, especially like I said, in this world of you know corporations dealing with things, rightfully so, where look, you, you enable a hostile work environment, you're gonna pay the price. I just wonder how often this has happened. It seemed very casual. Um, definitely didn't seem like the first time he had ever said it in that setting. Uh, I just think it was probably the first time he had ever said it to Cincinnati and America at large. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's not anything that uh, should be, really, it's, the only reason I think we should even bring it up is to condemn it. And then that should be kind of the end of it, because I do somewhat feel that if the more we bring it up, the more light we shed on the division or the, the, the things that people of the LBGTQ community have to go through um, on a daily basis. So um, we got that out. We have our opinions on that. And um, everything, for the most part, has been handled uh, the way it should. Um, and there we go. Next and this, up. Oh, and this is an example of a team that's actually doing the right thing. 100%. And Com Compared to a team that we have mentioned multiple times. <laughs> that has rarely done the right thing in multiple situations. <laughs> Um, I, I just had to say it. I'm sorry. I had to say it. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. I love it. it and, and everyone's thinking it, you know, uh, might as well. Moving on to uh, something definitely a lot more, lot, mo ugh, a lot less serious, easy for me to say, trade deadline talk. Obviously, personally for me, the trade deadline snuck up on me very, very quickly. 
Um, we are eight days away, as we alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, from the trade deadline. This, for me, obviously, it's the first full trade deadline that's going off August 31st. I know they used to have the whole, like, waiver trade deadline thing. But in terms of actual trade deadline, this is the first time we've seen it this late in the season. Um, for me, I think the reason it is so unique is the market and the seller's market that has been, um, what do you call it? Um, that's been created by the playoff expansion with now 16 teams making the playoffs instead of 10. I mean, that's opening that up huge. So now you have 24 teams at this juncture in time who literally, who legitimately believe they can make a playoff run. So they're all going to be buying. Well, you have 24 teams buying Whew, those six teams selling are opening their doors up and come on in folks. What can we sell you? Uh, that's why I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, Brianna, what are your thoughts on uh, the trade deadline coming up and everything that's kind of swirling around it? Uh, we obviously talked about workmen already uh, being traded. Honestly, I am really hoping that this team does not sell people um, and trade people because I really don't want them to. Um, obviously Boston traded workmen to the Phillies and along with Heath Hembry, but I don't think that's done well. And, but Boston did get two pitchers in exchange. Um, they also gave cash to Philadelphia, but they got Nick Pavetta and Connor Siebold. I'm not sure if they have pitched yet, but obviously both teams got pitchers and Phillies are not doing well at that. And then obviously with the Giants, which I found out while the Angel game was going, and I even texted Brandon, Hunter Pence has been designated for assignment. Yes, he has not done well this year, but he is a staple with the Giants. And obviously the, they got um, infielder Mark Robertson from the Rays and for cash or a player that has not been named yet. So we don't know what the rest of that trade is going to be. I really do not want the Angels to trade who they're thinking of trading. <laughs> I do not want them to trade their leadoff. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and, and we will get um, in, in the Southern California uh, baseball podcast, we will dive deep into uh, the Angels, Dodgers, and Padres trade deadline needs. Um, but, and it, it's, it's funny, as you were saying that and talking about uh, the, the, Reds, uh, the Red Sox and Phillies making a, a pitch and trade where it's like, here's two pitchers for your two pitchers. And it's just like two two homeless guys trading, you know, a crap sandwich and, a, you know, something else just like, oh, man, like maybe that will taste Sox, a little bit better. But the Red Sox <laughs> gave them cash, too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and, and I'll tell you what, Nick Pavetta, outside of maybe Martin Perez, might be now the best pitcher on the Red Sox. So that kind of dives deep into where the Red Sox are. Obviously, we've talked about that. But, yeah, the cash um, – I read an interesting article. We, we disagree a bit on the availability of Trevor Bauer, but I'm very interested to see that. Uh, the reason why is similarly the same reason why I think the Angels will actually trade Fletcher is because it is such a seller's market. Trevor Bauer would get a King's ransom right now um, for literally a month. And this isn't a, well, and maybe if you go to the playoffs, but um, this isn't a normal trade deadline time where you get them, you know, you trade, even if you trade on the August or the July 31st trade deadline, you still have two full months, assuming of health, that they are 
on your team. That's not the case now. You only have them for, you know, a month, um, 26 days, whatever you want to call it. So I think the Reds could try and build up again. The Reds have obviously not done what was expected of them, uh, myself included. Trevor Bauer, um, you said no. Uh, I do think Trevor Rosenthal of the Royals, his name is pretty much the top of everybody's reliever list, and everybody needs that. Someone's going to overpay for Trevor Rosenthal and a couple other people. Um, but like I said, we will dive deep into uh, our own team's trade deadline situations. Thoughts on, uh, you know, Trevor Bauer or um, even, you know, maybe Trevor Rosenthal, maybe the Angels thinking about getting maybe buying a reliever or is it just all sell? I do not want to talk about the Angels trade right now. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I really don't want them to go through with what they're thinking. Um, well, you had said that Tre to me earlier that Trevor Bauer, you think is only have a year left on the contract with and like next year. I mean, at least keep him until like he gets closer to the end of his contract. So you don't have to buy him out and pay him more than you should. Cause obviously I think it's the Mets that are still paying for somebody that they traded who has not played a game in what, like five years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously I want to say it's not Bobby Bonilla, but the uh, first thing you want to say is Bobby Bonilla, but no, I, I, I can't think of him right now, but, um, and, and I'm, I think, it's a situation where um, it is a lot of financial, the financial market or the financial situation of a lot of these teams now isn't dire, but it's definitely not rosy. Um, I, I kind of noticed it today. You know, you look around the everything that can have signage or advertisement has advertisement. Um, the MLB and teams are trying to find revenue streams any way they can as obviously attendance are limited or actually not at all um moving on to just give a little standings rundown um as we are pretty much obviously there are some teams that are behind but pretty much everyone hit the 30 game mark or most teams are around 30 games uh starting in the american league east a little bit of a surprise here with the tampa bay rays at 19 and 10 on top of the new york yankees who are 16 and 9 uh, they're only up by a game on them, obviously, a discrepancy in uh, games played. Only four, but interesting there. Um, and then it goes Baltimore, Toronto, and then Boston. But Baltimore and Toronto, both at 500, hanging around at four and a half games back. And Boston, uh, they're 10 games back. Nothing there. And I uh, think Baltimore has surprised all of us. <laughs> 100%. And there's another team, that, especially in the National League, that surprised us, us as well. And Baltimore um, is proving that it's not really a fluke. Like, this is a team that has good young talent and has been consistently average, which with all due respect to the Orioles is a huge jump from what they've been uh, of late. Moving on to the central, um, not a huge surprise here with the top two teams being Minnesota and Cleveland. I do, I am surprised at the, uh, not surprised. I shouldn't say, I do want to point out the resurgence of the white Sox. Um, I believe – I don't know if they won today. They lost today. They lost today. Um, but I believe they have won seven in a row going into that. They are only two games behind the Twins. The Cleveland Indians are a game and a half back. Uh, and then it goes Detroit and Kansas City, who are six and a half and seven and a half back, respectively, um, kind of out of the picture there. Detroit, um, they won today, but they're two and eight in their last ten. They have come back to the pack. Um, 
but we will see uh, if they have some games later on. I think that they can maybe make some things up. They did take two out of three from Cleveland for the first time probably in 10 years, I believe. Next I'm not looking is, forward to this next one. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, the Oakland A's leading things. Um, not a huge surprise. I think maybe the surprise being the Astros being four and a half games back, but you know, the Padres did every baseball fan a solid by sweeping the Astros right out of town. Um, they're four and a half games. The Astros are four and a half games back. And then it goes Texas, Seattle, and unfortunately the Angels uh, 11 games back. Texas nine games back and Seattle nine and a half back. Um, I, what I will say though, looking over this, the standings, it's, it's somewhat respectable. Look, the Angels, of all the run differentials of the teams, um, they have a better run differential than the Mariners and the Rangers. So, I mean, I don't know if, you know, close – I hated close victor or close losses. I would rather be blown out because at least then I turn the game off. Um, but they're keeping it close-ish. Um, at, least I mean, you I haven't had, at least you haven't had five ITBs where you yeah. – that's kind of the thing, right? When you lose those close, those ITBs, they're all, except for, you know, the first one, they're all essentially one run games, um, but keeping it close there. In the National League, starting with the East, um, no surprise here with the uh, Atlanta Braves 16 and 11 leading the big surprise. Miami, Miami Marlins. Marlins. Look at that. 11 and 11, two and a half games back. Um, now, obviously, Miami has had their run-ins with uh, outbreaks, so they're a little bit behind, five games behind. In terms – I'm sorry, five games um, less played than the Braves, two and a half games back. And then the Mets, who are in the midst of something like that right now, at 12 and 14, three and a half games back. Washington, 11 and 14, four games back. And uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, nine and 14, five games back. You know, look – only playing 391 ball, but they're only five games back. Obviously, they're not – I don't expect them to come back or anything. But, you know, it's not the end of the world, um, at least if you look at it that way for uh, Philadelphia. And if it helps, they are still winning. There we go. Uh, but it won't help when you remember that you still have to go to the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, and you are playing the Braves. Yes, exactly. A team that seems to come from behind um, on, on a – even more so basis than the Padres. Uh, the Central, you'll be happy about this one. See, we made it up to you. Uh, the Central, 17 and 10 is the Chicago Cubs. Now, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it's a bit of a fall from the last time we did this podcast where they were, um, despite losing the two or three, they um, had been one of the hottest teams in baseball. 17 and 10, three games up on their rival, the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals, this is where it's a little weird, uh, nine and eight. While the Cubs are 17 and 10, um, the Cubs have played, or I'm sorry, the Cardinals have played seven, uh, 18 games, 17 games, excuse me, my math is amazing. And uh, the Cubs have won 17 games. So that just shows you the discrepancy in games uh, played there. So that'll have to rectify itself. Like then going, it's in, oh, sorry. Going off of that though, they still have a ton of double headers to Exactly. Go. And it will rectify itself. And the Cubs the, are in a downhill spiral. <laughs> I don't uh, think they're going to stay there long. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting to see if the Cubs can somewhat rate the ship. I think they have a little bit of a nice kind of fall from grace. Or not grace, not fall from grace, but a nice um, maybe safe area that they can kind of come back to 
the pack a little bit because, like you said, the doubleheaders for the Cardinals are going to be vicious. Cincinnati and Milwaukee, both 11 and 15, both five and a half games behind the Cubbies. And finally, the worst team in baseball? Yes. Yeah. The worst team in all of baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirates, eight and a half games back with a gaudy 292 win percentage. But they've won three in a row, folks. So break up the Pirates. It's pretty crazy. They were four and 17 coming into this weekend. And, um, a sweep or at least I don't know if they swept or I don't know how that worked but they got three and you're still playing tw- uh, 292 ball so hey at least there's that um moving on to the National League West uh best team in baseball is the Los Angeles Dodgers yet to lose a series we will get to those people I censored myself there uh those people later uh they're 22 and 8 9 and 1 in their last 10 they've won four in a row uh plus 79 run differential is the best in baseball by a lot. Um, and then it goes San Diego Padres, who have won seven in a row, um, 18 and 12, four games behind the Dodgers. Rounding this out now, arguably the hottest team to start the year was the Colorado Rockies. That has completely flipped on its side. They are now uh, probably playing the worst baseball in baseball uh one and nine in their last 10 losers of seven in a row they are actually behind the san francisco giants who are 14 and 16 to fall eight games back the colorado rockies are 13 and 15 i guess it is percentage points that the giants are ahead um and then the arizona diamondbacks who were 13 and 16 eight and a half games back unfortunate you know it's crazy to see the phillies at nine and 14 playing 391 ball and be five games back and the Arizona Diamondbacks playing 444 or 448 ball, which isn't terrible. It's around there. It's respectable. And you're eight and a half games back. It's just crazy. Obviously, the Dodgers are uh, messing the curve up for the teams in the West. Um, but what are your thoughts about the NL West? I mean, San Francisco has made a charge. I think they were in last place last week. And Arizona obviously hasn't done well. Colorado has had their fall from grace, kind of like the Cubs are doing at the moment. Um, but I mean... You got to remember, if they're playing in their own field, I think that they have an advantage due to elevation. It's no joke. But at the same time, if you can't win anywhere else, you're screwed. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are the only ones that have that elevation, especially oh, yeah. in the West. So if you can't win at sea level, you're done. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. And the Rockies, I think it is. I expected them to be better this year than they were last year because of the injuries. I didn't expect them to be, I think they were like 11 and two to start the year or whatever it was. That was a bit much, um, obviously a return to the mean situation going on there. Um, and just to note everything that we went through on those standings, remember the top two teams in each division, no matter what make the playoffs. Um, and then the best of the rest, they take the top two that will be, and then they get seated one through eight. Um, that will be, the way the playoffs are built. So um, just keep that in mind throughout the rest of the year. Obviously a change from the norm. Moving on to um, pretty much the, we, we always like to look at the early week series and the late week the, and then the weekend series um, for the week ahead. And we'll recap how, what we thought about. And, and this one, I put my hands up. I must not have done my homework. I, I completely misread this. I expected this to be a three game series. It was actually a, a five game series. Um, it was the Cardinals and the Cubs, and um, we had split. I had thought the Cardinals were going to win two out of three. Brianna thought the Cubs were going to win two out of three. The Cubs win three out of five, so 
Brianna gets that win for obvious reasons. Um, she was correct there. Um, I mean, I, those I, double I, headers, those, yeah. those double headers killed the card yeah. at that point. Cause I mean, they each split with, with those double headers, but it's just like, even if you're only playing seven innings, it's still going to kill you in the next game. Exactly. And, and like we said, it's the Midwestern, uh, I've said the Midwestern heat too is no joke. I mean, I'm feeling it here in Southern California and I know people are screaming, Oh, that's nothing compared to this heat or that heat. Like I know. So I can only imagine, you know, everything that has to go on there. Um, moving on to the Rockies and the Astros. Look, we kind of just talked about the Rockies. So we all kind of know how that went. Um, Brianna had thought it was going to be a, uh, a split. I thought the Astros were going to take three out of four. Um, I'll get the win just because the Astros actually went out and got the sweep. I think it was probably more against the um, the Rockies than I think the Astros just being absolute world beaters because I think a lot of people thought, uh-oh, here come the Astros. And then that ended real quick this weekend. What are your thoughts on that series? Like I said, if you cannot win at like sea level, you're screwed. And that, that's just Colorado's case at this point. And it's funny, too, or it's crazy, too, because Houston is now not elevation, but a very hitter-friendly ballpark. So you'd think of all places that they, at least at sea level, they could be somewhat successful be Houston. And no, not there either. <laughs> the third one that we watched was uh, the Braves and the, uh, the Braves and the Nationals. And this is another one, Brandon. I don't know what happened there. Uh, oh, no, no. It was the game three was rained out. That's what happened. Uh, so we had both thought Atlanta was going to uh, take two out of three. We were probably going to be right, um, but game three was rained out. That will be a double header, I believe, the first weekend of September or maybe a weekend after. Anyways, they will play a double header to make that up at a later date. So nothing really there. Can't really do anything about that. Um, we can barely con control uh, Corona, let alone the weather. So the weekend series to recap, obviously this was a big one that, you know, the Yankees met that wasn't played. So I get the win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, then it was uh, Cincinnati and St. Louis. We were split on this one. Um, and I didn't realize it was a four game series. Therefore, Brianna gets the win here in this one. I had thought Cincinnati was going to take two out of three. Brianna thought it was um, going to be St. Louis. And I believe they split, right? I believe they did. Yeah. So, and like I said, I, I didn't, I didn't go deeper enough into the week. So because of that, um, and we, we were split on that. Um, Brianna got the win because technically the Reds or the, um, the Cardinals did win two games. Um, and yeah, like I said, that was my brain fart. She is used to that by now, luckily. Um, and the. Oh, the Cardinals actually took three of four. Three of four. Okay, then there we go. Um, easy. Yeah, so that was Brianna getting the win there. Um, called it perfectly, even an extra game in there. And then the last series um, was the Rockies and the Dodgers. Look, I thought this was kind of going to be the preview of the best or the maybe can the Rockies be on that level? Well, by the time the Rockies had gotten into LA, they had already been swept and then got swept again. Um, it was both of us saying um, the Dodgers taking two out of three the Dodgers end up sweeping, right? I think that game went final before it ended. I yeah, it went final sure. before the Angels game did, yeah. but we will talk about that game later. Yes, we will uh, in that podcast for Southern California. So um, we are both even on that one. So moving on to this week's early series to watch. Um, the first one I highlighted 
was, um, and I feel like this might be a kiss of death. Whenever I pick these series, it feels like one of these series somehow won't go off. That feels like that's always gone. Um, so hopefully that stops this week. But um, the first one I looked at was Minnesota and Cleveland. This is a AL Central, obviously, showdown between the top two teams. What are your thoughts, Minnesota versus Cleveland? Minnesota is going to take it 2-3. Two, 2 out of 3. Two out of three. They're going to take it two out of three. Obviously, they are doing a lot better than the Indians are right now. I mean, look, Minnesota's 19 and 10. Cleveland is 17 and 11. And Minnesota has been on a hot streak. So I do believe that they're going to take two of three. I'm going to go the opposite on this one. Um, I actually like Cleveland. I, I like the ball Cleveland's been playing. And I, Terry Francona, too, big Tito guy. I think he has the pieces there um obviously i would feel much better if uh, trevor bauer was still wearing an indians um jersey that obviously wasn't going to happen he wears out his welcome very quickly um i really do i like the indians and i like the way they match up against minnesota a team that kind of relies heavy on the home runs which don't get me wrong they can go out and you know match no big deal but the, uh, Cleveland's got some, you know, a top five pitching staff. I really like Cleveland um, to get the win because of that pitching staff. Um, so we will see on that one. Always fun to have a little um, dissension in the ranks. The next series is only a two game series, um, but I still do think it's pivotal. It's the Yankees and the Braves. Um, I'll go first on this one. I, Actually, I expect this to be a split. I know the Yankees took the first two games from the Braves, and the Braves have got some injury issues. Um, obviously, Acuna, Albies, and then Soroka. Um, the first two will return at some point. Um, Braves have some injury issues, but they're a team that somehow always find a way to scrap um, a W out, and it is at home. This is, I believe, the best team at home percentage-wise. Uh, and I know it's kind of weird without fans, but hey, it, it is what it is. Um, so I like a sweep here. What about you, Brianna? I'm saying it's going to be a split. Obviously. I'm sorry, not a split. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. A split. Um, considering how what both teams have been able to do so far this season, I do believe it's going to be a split. Um, obviously, the Yankees have not played all weekend, so they're going to be refreshed compared to the Braves. But I know the Yankees had some people on the injured list that are supposed to come back this week. And I don't know if it's going to be the beginning or within like the second game of the series, but I believe it's going to be a split. Perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and it's funny. I talk about the, the Braves players that are injured and I don't even talk about the Yankees players that are injured because this is like, I mean, at this point it's like, it seems like the Yankees can just pull guys up, uh, you know, Clint Flasier, Mike Ford, these guys will just go out and mash anyway. But um the last early series to watch that we're going to talk about is the Giants and the Dodgers. And look, obviously, um, on paper, talent-wise, not a series that people would go, wow, that's, you know. But look, the Giants have had the Dodgers number out of any team out there. The Giants have been at least somewhat competitive against the Dodgers. Um I like the Dodgers to take two out of three. Um, I, I would love to sit here and, and, and ride the, um, you know, Joey Bart and uh, Gabe Kapler and the kids 
Mike Yastrzemski, who I've fallen in love with uh, as a baseball player. Unbelievable. He's so good. But I, I, I think the Dodgers, which I think two out of three is still a win for the Giants. Um, but in this situation, I would go Dodgers uh, two out of three. What about you, Brianna? I'm going to agree. Obviously, opening, I think it was opening weekend. Uh, they both split because the, Dod the Dodgers, I don't think, expected what the Giants pulled out for those two games. Um, and then I believe the Dodgers took next series. Um, I do believe that with the pitching that the Dodgers have, they're going to take two of three. Obviously, Kershaw and Bueller are on fire, and Betts, Mookie Betts is just unbelievable. Scary. So, yeah, I believe that the Dodgers will take two of three. No matter Perfect. how it hurts both of us. Exactly. And I, and I, I could – I think a Dodger sweep is more likely – then the Giants taking two out of three. But I think the Giants will get one. I really do. They've shown that in every series that this team will – they might get blown out 11 to one. I think they got blown out the first two games and then came back the next two in that first opening series or whatever it was and, uh, and really surprised some people. So I could see maybe the Dodgers winning the first two, you know, maybe in blowout fashion, us thinking, uh-oh, and then the Giants win a 2-1 Johnny Cueto masterpiece where I picked up on my fantasy team, by the way, so – that's nice. Uh, moving to the weekend series to watch. Um, the first one hits home close to me is uh, the Padres and the Rockies. This will be a four-game series. Um, what are your thoughts? I'll let you go first on the Padres and Rockies. Even though it's an elevation, the Rockies have just gone downhill. I think that your Padres are going to take three or four. I think Colorado is going to be able to get one, but – they're definitely not going to split and they're not going to win. So I, I'm putting faith into your Padres. Perfect. And, and, you know, I've been a fan of the Padres for a very, very, you know, my whole life and um, watching Padre games, meaningful Padre games at Coors Field is torture. It's some of my worst memories are at Coors Field in terms of watching the Padres lose. I think this is actually a split. I think the Rockies take two. The Padres bullpen has gotten better, but it's still missing key pieces. Drew Pomerantz, who was the only stable cog in that, and of course we'll get to this later, um, is out. So not having an underwhelming bullpen in Colorado, even with Colorado having their problems, it doesn't really instill a ton of optimism in me. I like a four-game split in this situation. Moving on to the second to last one we'll talk about is one that's going to hit very close with Brianna as it's a huge divisional matchup in the American League West. And it is the Oakland A's at the Houston Astros. It'll be a three-game set. And at this point, what's looking like the Astros really only shot to stay within, you know, reaching distance of the A's the way the A's are rolling. What are your thoughts on Actually, no, I'm sorry. You went first last time. I will go first this time. Um, I like the A's to take two out of three. I think the A's are a superior baseball team, um, and the Astros obviously have had their troubles this weekend, and they got Michael Brantley back. Um, obviously still waiting on Verlander. Zach Grinke is just Zach Grinke. My goodness, he's just a slow pitcher and just a, a person with absolutely no class. I'll get into that in the Padre Club. Uh, thing but um I like the A's to kind of 
not put the division on ice, but definitely create some separation. I like the A's to take two out of three from Houston. What about yourself? I'm also going to take the A's taking two of three. I'm hoping the Angels will soften them up for them. But I don't know. The A's are, like, leading the division. They've only lost nine. They've been on a hot streak all season. The Astros are going to have trouble coming back from their start. And Altuve and Springer not hitting. Obviously, today does not help that Altuve has not done very, very well. Um, he had a good series until today, but that was it. Just those two games. But prior to this series. Yeah, he's been terrible. Yeah, and I don't think two games is going to help. Like, yeah, he brought his average up, but I think the A's are going to drop it right back down. The last series we're going to talk about um, is next weekend. It's a four-game set in the American League East. And it's kind of the best of the rest. I think one of these teams has a real legitimate shot to make that kind of extra wild card. Um, it's Baltimore at Toronto slash Buffalo. Um, and I, as, as awesome and, and as cool of a story as I think the Baltimore Orioles are, I'm going to go with the Toronto Blue Jays taking three out of four. I'm a huge fan of the Blue Jays. I have a futures bet on them to win the American League East. I did it mainly for the value. It's probably not going to happen, but they are still within shouting distance, which I am encouraged by. Um, I'm a huge fan of what Toronto is putting together. Um, the pitching obviously leaves a bit to be desired, but the way pitching is around the league, I think they're just fine compared to some other teams. Um, Baltimore, like I said, that great story and all that. I just think Toronto's better, um, and it's, it's going to be a great series. And you, you would have never thought that on August 23rd, or I guess that, that game will be the weekend of August 30th, that that would be one of the games or the series to watch. But these two teams have both played really good baseball and uh, exceeded expectations, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I like Toronto taking three out of four. What about yourself? I do think it's going to be good baseball, but I think they're going to split. Like, I think they're both going to be staying at 500 by the end of the week, or at least with the series. We don't know what's going to happen during the week. But obviously, both teams are doing well. They're trying to fight for that extra spot. But, I mean, both teams are doing well. It's just a matter of who's pitching that day, who's in the lineup, who gets injured. You just never know until those that day. So that, that's why I'm going with the split. And that, that's another thing too, everybody. I mean, I know we are a betting podcast and all that stuff. A lot of what we're talking about here is just purely for fun because there are no lines on these games. And like I said, a lot of the times it's kind of a kiss of death when I pick one of these six games because so far one of these series has been canceled because of COVID after I picked it. So it is what it is. Um, I'm, I, like I said, I'm really excited for that Toronto Baltimore series. I really didn't expect that. Um, what, uh, any final words as we wrap up the Major League Baseball podcast? Mentioned it earlier. If you don't follow Trevor Bauer, do it. Like, if you want to see his sarcasm about this season, if you want to see those shoes, go to his page. Go to his Twitter. Amen. <laughs> and and to, to, I'll piggyback on my last, my last words. I'll piggyback on terms of the Twitter thing. Um, if you're a, I mean, if you're a Padre fan, you already know about this. But if you're a fan of, just Twitter kind of troll um, in a fun way, okay? Um, after a Padre game, just good or bad, but just type in, you know, hashtag Padres Twitter. 
uh, and just scroll through those. It is a lot of fun. Now, if, if the Padres beat your team and you're sensitive, uh, don't, don't do it. But Padres Twitter is a amazing place. It's a fun place to be after they win. Um, and then obviously when they lose, they get a lot of hate, but they, they kind of lean into it. it. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of a scary place to be known in. But um, anyways, it's uh, something to think about just because, you know, Brianna brought up the Twitter part. But thank you all so much for listening to the ESBC podcast as we uh, broke down the Major League Baseball as a whole. For Brianna Winter, my name is Brandon First, a.k.a. First Report, representing the ESBC Podcast Network. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. Have a great day. Now go wash your hands and don't hate.